and welcome to episode 6 of the Two Girls One Brain podcast. I'm Claire. And I'm Sarah. And today we're going to be talking about the science of attraction. I like how I've started like waiting for that. I say the title and then you make some kind of like (laughs) excited noise. I'm like, okay, now I can continue. So... The research question for today <laughs> that I wrote is it? <laughs> yes. This is Every- it's either it's either a research question or it's like a glimpse into Claire's existential <laughs> crisis mind. <laughs> Both are true. It says the question for today is: Do you have a real choice in who you think is attractive, or is it all predetermined? Are we all just so controlled by automatic chemical responses in our brains that free will is a myth? Do we have control over anything at all? Sarah, thoughts? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes to which part? There were three questions. It's it's that guy who created Twin Peaks. It's that interview where he, like, says something, like, insane. And he's like, do you want to explain further? And he's just like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like we're going to get roasted for not remembering the guy's name that created Twin Peaks. Because he's, like, a really famous... Oh, I truly don't know, so... Um, but yeah, no, I think we do. I think there's a choice in it. Um, because I think once you get to know someone better, you could become more attracted to them. Um, not just simply based on, like, scientific, like, chemical appearance, physical type stuff. It can be a combination of your feelings. (laughs) Yes, your feelings are a result of chemical reactions. Yeah, but I don't think, I think you can choose some of this stuff. I think, because like if I saw a super hot guy and they were an asshole to me, I'd say, yes, I can recognize that I'm attracted to them. But now that they've been an asshole to me, I'm choosing to like rewire myself to be like, no, they're now gross to me because they suck. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm choosing that part. Well, I never really answer that. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) leaving me high and dry. (laughs) (laughs) But I did do a bunch of research into what people think is attractive and why. So I think with this episode, we're just going to kind of go through that. I... Um, did it one day at work. Don't tell my boss. So I got paid to do this. It was great. Don't you mm. love that? Yeah. It's the slow Let season. capitalism work for you. <laughs> Woo. I really enjoyed it. Even though the first uh, website I went on is mathisfun.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something like nerd eight-year-olds would go on to. <laughs> it seems really helpful if you were struggling in middle school math. <laughs> Um, and I wish I had this back in 2007, but whatever. Um, it probably existed. I just didn't look it up. So the first thing I wanted to look into was visual beauty and beauty in nature. And so the reason I was in um, mathisfun.com, this is what I put on the Insta story and I had poll questions about. One person, Aaron, responded. He was like, uh, you're looking up the curvature of butts. And I was like, not quite but also not like completely wrong what i was looking at was the fibonacci sequence 
there. Do you know what the Fibonacci sequence is? I think of shells when I think of the Fibonacci yeah. sequence because it's the perfect spiral of like like the snail yeah. shells or whatever shells. Yeah. So that's really you're you're so smart. <laughs> like, so it says, um, so it's about like yeah, perfect spirals. Uh, and this little quote says, "Plants and uh animals sometimes grow new cells of spirals." such as a pattern of seeds on sunflowers. The spiral happens naturally because each new cell is formed after a turn. And then how do they know when to turn? The golden ratio. It's represented as the Greek symbol phi, and it's roughly 1.618. And the reason that it's called the golden ratio is that any number that's a fraction will make a pattern of lines, and there's usually gaps between those, but the golden ratio is the best at not being a fraction. Does that make sense? I don't understand it. Um, but that basically means that there's no gaps. Like, it's an irrational number, so, like, when you turn at whatever interval the golden ratio is, there's no gaps in between things, so it lines up all pretty. And there's a special ratio between Fibonacci numbers and the golden ratio, where um, the Fibonacci numbers... The ratio between them is basically the golden ratio. Did any of that make sense? Kind of. <laughs> basically, it all makes a spiral. And that's um, beauty in nature. And the Fibonacci sequence is 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, and going on. Do you know what that, like, the intervals are, how are they determined? I feel like I did when I was in school, and I don't know. Yeah. It's like the addition of them or something in some way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the two previous numbers equal the next number. Yeah, because so that's, I was like, one, when it one jumped one from two. the 13 or whatever, that's, and it was like, what was it, 5, 8, 13, 13 21. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's, that's how I <laughs> remember yeah. it. Yes. Okay, so that's in nature, but we're not going around looking at, uh, leaves and plants and shells being like oh that's sexy well i don't <laughs> I fuck i'm that not plant <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about you guys but <laughs> plant doctor if you're listening um don't bring this up i know you listen to every episode so please don't bring this up oh um i listened to the video so we put out last week and i forgot to take the plant doctor's name out one time and you corrected yourself and you left me a space and I just didn't do it. Ah, I did that on purpose. I was so good. I said it you and then I paused so and then I restarted my sentence with plant doctor. I you remember so this. Good. I remember. I know. You did. And I I swear I thought I edited it, but then I was listening to it, the released episode today, and I was like, oh, well, missed that one. <laughs> also, this is a complete derailment, but he's been slowly gifting me with plants over time. Um, Love it. and they're like, they're very low maintenance plants so far. They're like, they only need to be watered once a week, but he, he like gifted me with one and the next week he gifted me with another and he's That's been so quizzing funny. me on them, which has been causing me great stress. <laughs> like he, he gave me the other one and he goes, pop quiz. What's this one's name? And I was like, philodendron. And he was like, okay. <laughs> I have three plants and I don't know what they are. One's a snake plant. I have a philodendron and a ZZ plant. Oh, that's nice. I don't know what 
I don't know much about them other than they need to be watered once a week. I was thinking of making flashcards to like go underneath them um, with like basic information about them. For just for guests? myself in case I get <laughs> okay. in case I get popped quiz again. <laughs> in case you get a degenerative brain disease like all of the politicians. <sighs> <laughs> Who knows if that will stay in or be edited out because it's only relevant to Claire and I's discussion before the Call podcast. <laughs> I just don't feel like if you have a degenerative brain thing like dementia, you should be in charge of the government. Term and age me. limits for all elected positions. Next anyway. topic of the attraction <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so anyway, uh, all that math. There's an application to faces. There's a reason I looked into it. So, Dr. Stephen R. Mark... I don't even know how to say this name. M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T. I couldn't tell you. (laughs) He's gonna listen and be like, Marquois! (laughs) Marquois. Anyway, uh, Dr. Stephen R. Uh... He is the world's most recognized expert on facial analysis and beauty, and he has studied human beauty for decades, and he is an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. He sounds like a simp. (laughs) Um, I think maybe the opposite, where he's like, let me fix your face. True, true. He's the (laughs) anti-simp. Yeah. The simp antithesis. Um, um, so he was a surgeon and now he mostly just studies facial beauty so he can be the best at making your face pretty. And his work includes cross-cultural surveys on beauty and then he found that all groups had basically the same perceptions of facial beauty. Um, through his research he discovered that it's not only related to phi, remember when I talked about that and the golden ratio? That's why. Um, but it can also be defined for both genders and for all races, cultures, and eras with this beauty mask, which he developed and patented. And so we'll post a picture of this, but this beauty mask that he created is a geometrical series of lines. It looks like a human face to a degree, but it's got like a bunch of like geometric shapes on it that are like, if your face has curvatures here or like definition here, that's inherently more attractive. And so it's kind of hard to describe, but I would say it looks very much like handsome Squidward. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just... <laughs> what do you think I it looks like? I cannot. I just looked at it as you were saying that. <laughs> it looks kind of like um in... uh like, What is it where it's mirror, mirror on the wall? Shrek. Well, yes, but the original... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Snow White! Who's the the face that comes all. out? It looks like the face in the mirror there, too. It's What do you think? I don't like it. I don't either. I think it's scary. But if you go on his website, you can, like, he has a superimposed over, like, models' faces, and it lines up. And it's just, like, this... It, I think, makes more sense over another face. I think but the whole thing own, is, like, symmetric. It's symmetry yeah. plus vaguely high cheekbones. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's all he discovered. Well, we'll post this um, on our page when we release this episode, so y'all can see and all of your insight as well. But I think it's, my under- 
Uh, I was just say I think it's funny though because his outline has like kind of normal if not small lips on it um and in our culture that has recently become not the thing <laughs> well that's interesting because my understanding is that it applies to all races and cultures because it's not really about size or even really the shape it's about the ratio so like if you have a big nose pointy round that doesn't matter it's just you have to have the same ratio to eyes and lips so if you have a big lips you it's still going to be good looking if you also have big nose and big eyes does that make any sense i don't know because if i saw someone with huge eyes a huge nose and huge lips it and a huge forehead and a huge chin i think but they just had a huge fucking face <laughs> They do, but it would be attractive. It's what a hot style. guy with an eight-foot-long face. <laughs> Sarah, you're being ridiculous. It's within the realm of reason. If someone had an eight-foot-long face, that would be a medical it's like condition. It's like when, when Sheen and Jimmy Neutron gets that huge fucking head. Oh but imagine God. if it was just symmetrical and you're like, God, he's handsome. <laughs> But, like, within the realm of possibility, it's not like, like, if you have a tiny nose, it's still going to be cute. If you got tiny mouth, tiny eyes. It's about ratio and not about See, like, I don't know if I agree with that, though, because what's that one guy? He's on, like, the far right, I think. He's, is it Charlie Kirk? Is that who I'm thinking of? Where, like, all of his features are small and they're, like, gathered in the center of his face. Okay, that's... The ratio is wrong to the rest of his face. It's not like it's their place. We'll see. Then we get into definitions of what's the face versus the head. <laughs> oh my god, you're getting real nitpicky here. And the fact of the matter is that this is not my opinion. This is something that has been researched. Ugh. <laughs> every every podcast just ends with Claire at some point just being like, "Oh, Sarah." <laughs> true but you're trying to argue with this study that i did not conduct i'm just telling you what i'm understanding and I, you're like, no, I guess some I people think, are ugly i, think, I guess and they are i'm <laughs> i guess i'm um like i can recognize that symmetry does look like it does there's an appreciation of symmetry in people's faces but at the same time like a lot of, in normal life, a lot of people don't have that symmetry. And I think so many of those people are hot. I've also seen, yeah. it's funny that you say this, because there's this TikTok girl who takes images of famous celebrities or famous people um, that are, like, recognized hot people, and she morphs it to be a part of this, like, beauty, like, mask that looks incredibly similar to this one to, like, make their features match up. And half the time, people are like, I don't like it. <laughs> They're like, I liked it before. It looks kind of weird now. Or they'd be like, I like it both ways. Like, I don't think it got better. I think it's just like a different dice. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's because humans don't look like that. I know. It's just like, it's <laughs> like, I can recognize if like, if I saw a model with an, an incredibly symmetrical face and she had stereotypical and let's be honest, most likely Eurocentric, like, white features that everyone in society, like, Western society now recognizes being beautiful. Um, I could be like, yeah, I think she's nice looking. But most of the time, <laughs> that's not the case. And I still find a lot of people nice looking. 
I don't know. I think it's incredibly subjective as well. And I also think you're taught a lot of these things. You're taught to appreciate certain aspects of people. Like, I don't think it's an ingrained evolutionary biological thing, which is what I feel like he's getting at. Yeah, we're going to get into that. I think it's a lot of, I think it can be a little bit combination of that because obviously your biology is like, I want to procreate (laughs) and I want to do that in the best way possible. But society is also like, I think this looks nice. (laughs) So (laughs) I think it's a combination of things. We'll get into that too. But this is about the science of like attraction based off like good genes. Like, these traits indicate that your offspring is going to be... And it's... But see, that's the thing, though. Because people with wide noses, the reason they have wide noses is a... Is a geographical thing related to weather. So, like... You can have a wide nose and be attractive, but you also... (laughs) It's the ratio between the nose and the lips and the nose and the eyes. I feel like he should have made several... Like, he shouldn't have just had that one thing then he should have made several different variations to see how it plays out or he should have made it clear this is one way this could be used because the way it seems is he's saying like this is the most symmetrical perfect looking kind of like achievable face when in reality like it's not achievable a it's not achievable but b like there's evolutionary reasons where even if it's not even if it's not symmetrical even if it's not proportional there's reasons for those structures so like let's say someone doesn't have a proportional face but they do have a wider nose and let's say an african-american person has a wider nose and they live in africa that is because of the climate that they live in yeah the breath like they don't need to it's like people in like nordic and colder cultures developed canals with like like it's the way they did it because of the air that has to go into their Like, you are arguing a point that's not being made. Well, like, you're, like, I, like my point... Like, defending Afro-centric or, like, any kind of non-European facial features. Like, but he's not dissing them. Like, I No, 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 no. Way... My point, though, is that if we're saying, like, there's two things that may lead to someone being attracted to someone, which is evolutionary biological reasons, where it's kind of like, you can't help it. That's just, like, what your biology is saying, which is what I feel like he's talking about specifically here. Yes. He's not talking about any of the cultural or societal things. And then the other part is the cultural societal things. But I'm yeah. saying a part of the evolutionary biological thing isn't just being attracted to this natural, like perfect ratio. I'm saying you can be like, there's things that have developed over time that will yeah. be better for your like climate area. Well, climate. just like for like your life, like in that certain area that might not be conventionally beautiful. So like, even if it's not proportional, even if it's biologically like not in this like ratio thing, it could still evolutionary be better for your people in that specific area, but still not be like beautiful, if that makes sense. Like according to this specifically thing, but it's still an evolutionarily better thing to have. <laughs> I understand. I still feel like you're arguing a point that's not being made. I feel like I am, and I think this guy's duty. (laughs) I also got, like, I I don't like him either, and I have no reason. I think it's because he's got, like, a French last name, and he does plastic (laughs) surgery. That's all I needed. As soon as I was predetermined to dislike this man, because he had a French last name as well. Um... 
I think if you're a French person looking into beauty, you're just an asshole. I don't that's know. I, that's the vibe I, I get. I don't know. I'm like, you give me this handsome Squidward face. And <laughs> you're a French, presumably white man. Maybe looking he's into Canadian. beauty. <laughs> you're you're a French British Canadian, <laughs> and you made a beautiful, handsome Squidward mask, and you're like, this is what yeah. everyone wants to fuck. <laughs> And you expected us all to be cool with it, but I'm going to tell you now, we aren't cool with this. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, the next thing is actually about symmetry. Um, this is from <laughs> LiveScience.com. It's the Rules of Attraction uh, in the Game of Love by Bjorn Carey on February 13th, 2006. Bjorn, like the singer? B-J-O-R-N. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Bjork. Yes. I was thinking, like, a baby Bjork. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I know that's a thing, but I don't know why. But I thought you were saying, like, a baby Bjorn yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking when this author was born, his mother looked at him and said, oh, it's my baby Bjorn. <laughs> it's my baby Bjorn. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, um, he had some things to say about symmetry and ratio as well. And it's basically... What I said earlier about how good symmetry shows that an individual has the genetic goods to survive in development. It'll be a healthy and they're a good fertile choice for mating. Um, and it's a largely subconscious attraction, which is like, you're going to look, it says both men and women rated symmetrical members of the opposite sex as more attractive and in better health than their less symmetrical counterparts. And the differences can be just a few percent perceivable though not necessarily noticeable does that make sense i don't know why i just nodded no one else can hear that (laughs) (laughs) so it's like an unconscious bias which i don't know maybe gives some credit to our man with the handsome squidward mask i don't know i mean like i guess if you saw someone that was like missing half a face yeah (laughs) your body would be like my babies might miss half a face and, like, yeah. on a very, like, you don't even recognize it, you might be like, huh. But, obviously, that's not the only factor that determines if someone's beautiful. But <laughs> That is true, and we'll get into so many more things. Um, okay, this is just a stat I thought was um, interesting. It says, less symmetrical men have less sex, but less symmetrical women basically have the same number of sex partners as more symmetrical women. Does that make any sense? Yeah, because guys will just fuck any time they want to fuck. Yes! (laughs) That's what this- Yeah, it says- It is due to women being just choosier overall and having- It's because women uh, can have standards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, less symmetrical men just, like, don't get- Yeah. Because I guess symmetrical men are just, like, casting a wide net and they're having a better- luck but women if these less symmetrical men having the equivalence of a short to tall like napoleon complex but with a like symmetry yeah (laughs) so they're probably not even aware of it people aren't like oh yeah that's small left eyed bob (laughs) (laughs) that's super tiny left eyed bob uh no i uh... i don't i don't think there's don't listen to what I say. <laughs> Why not? I don't think that guys who have 
probably not visually like noticeably perceivable less symmetrical faces are worse <laughs> off <laughs> or have any reason to be less choosy than others um yeah but i do think that's interesting yeah i just thought that was interesting because it was like it basically was like men aren't picky <laughs> that it was also so it also this is not related to like the science of attraction at all. It just made me think of that whole trope where people are like, girls who put out on like the first or second date are like such floozies and then everyone was like, Well, who are they fucking? <laughs> it's like yeah. it's when mostly it's mostly guys. <laughs> when you were like girls who put out on the first or second date, I was thinking, they're the ones getting laid. I was like, they're having a better well, time than it's you. because it's like they're doing it with you know, maybe like seventy to eighty percent dudes. So like, why not? Yeah, I yeah. look at guys and say the same thing. Um, takes two to tango. Takes two to tango. Maybe more if that's what you're into. No, actually, no, that's not true. Tangoing specifically, if we're just referencing <laughs> tangoing, it just takes two. If you want to start a conga line? That's your <laughs> conga lines do need more. These are separate issues. I would argue that it would take three people to constitute a conga line. Otherwise, it would be the saddest just... conga line, but it would be a conga line. That's either yeah. the beginning or the end, so kind of your own interpretation. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> another thing from this article is talking about uh, ratio and shapes. This is about, this is just titled Hips. That's what I put this as <laughs> <laughs> that birth uh, hips. <laughs> I mean, kinda. Uh, psychologist Devendra Singh of the University of Texas studied people's waist-to-hip ratio, which will now be called WHR. Um, and women with a WHR of 0.7 indicates a waist significantly narrower than the hips are the most desirable to men. And it says most playboy funnies have this ratio. <laughs> That wasn't but a again, fart. That was a hmm? purposeful raspberry being blown. Because <laughs> I don't think I have that ratio. <laughs> again, it doesn't have to do with size. It has to do with ratio. So you could be like pretty heavy set as long as you have that same ratio and you're still going to be... Yeah, I still don't think I have that ratio. <laughs> oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Actually, on my personal page when I posted... A picture of me, a random note on my phone. I have my measurements on that. <laughs> anyway, I'm not even going to look at it try to figure out the ratio because it's just going to be interesting. Um, but then it gives an actual range that's um, realistic. It says, in general, a range of 0.67 to 1.18 in females is attractive to men. Um, Singh concluded in a 2004 study, and she also said that a 0.8 to a 1.0 WHR in men is attractive to women. Although having broad shoulders compared to their waist is more important than hips compared to their waist. So women like an upside down triangle and men like a right side up triangle. <laughs> Give me one of them upside down triangle boys. <laughs> broad shoulders, skinny waist, you know. Captain America Dorito shape. Have you seen I that do meme? like do Captain America, about? but I have not seen that meme. Oh, it's basically like Captain America's Dorito shape and somebody <laughs> holding a Dorito. 
Okay. <laughs> See, to, for some reason, this comparison makes me less attracted to him. I'm like, he looks like a fucking Dorito. Because <laughs> he's got broad shoulders and a narrow waist. Dorito shaped. You know, Doritos with their broad shoulders. <laughs> Like, is this going to be, like, some weird Freud thing where you see a Doritos bag and you're like, fuck. <laughs> I already feel that way, but I just want to eat it. <laughs> that says something about us. Um... <laughs> I like Doritos. <laughs> this episode is off the rails. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I hope everybody else is having a great time, because we are. I feel like it, it made me nervous because... Um, well, A, I just think, I think I went into this already ready to fight. <laughs> I can tell! <laughs> because I just think there's so much, it's like an incredibly diverse humankind with so much, like, just like biodiversity and like reasons yes. for it that are like wonderful and great. And like, it's just so interesting how our bodies developed and changed to adapt to these like different cultures and climates, depending on where we like settled and it's great, and it's amazing, and there's no one standard for things because of this incredible diversity that we have. And I also think they're like I've seen this joke someone posted where they're like every like however many years someone accidentally creates phrenology again, which was like that super racist right. pseudoscience of like <laughs> the measurement of your head leads to like how big your brain is and how smart you are. Which oh, was... if that's a thing, I'm screwed because I got all kind of bumps on my skull. I have a, skull, a scar from when I fell off a bicycle. If I ever lost my hair, my head would be the lumpiest. I could never. You know those girls who get, like, buzz cuts? Couldn't be me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Don't know her. Won't be me. <laughs> I've... I very briefly, it's never been a sustained thought that I've thought for like more than an hour, but I very briefly considered shaving my head. I say it as a joke really? a lot. I'll always be like, what if I shave my head? But there's been times where I'm like, what if I shave my head? And then I feel my head. <laughs> yeah, <same. I> <laughs> I'm like, no, she could never. <laughs> I'm really emotionally attached to my hair. I need a haircut really bad, but... I'm not about to go do that at the height of the pandemic. <laughs> I'm gonna wait till springtime. <laughs> Catch me next summer with hair a foot longer than I started with. <laughs> so long. I haven't. So no, long. I've I've trimmed my own hair in lockdown. I have not gotten it professionally cut. Um, I did in the early summer, but my hairdresser. It was like me. It was just me and her in the thing. Like there weren't other people in there. But you didn't wear a mask. And I was like, I'm not going back. Which is <laughs> yeah, no. Plant doctor will get his, like, his hairdresser now, like, comes to him. And they stay in his, they, the last time he did it, they did it in the garage. And they were all, like, he was wearing Wait a mask. Wayne gets his haircut in the garage. Yeah, so, like, the hairdresser comes to his garage and they wear masks. And so, like, it's about as, yeah. about as safe as you can get for you as a person getting it. The hairdresser obviously has to travel from house to house, so it's a little more risk for them. Um, yeah, but, so that's how he does it. I guess I could, like, look into see if anyone was doing... The woman I actually go to get my hair, like, cut in Pittsburgh, now that I've been here, has an incredibly small salon. So even before the pandemic, it was only ever me in there. <laughs> it's just her. Like, it's literally just her. Um, and it's essentially just, like, a large room. Um, 
And so it was only ever me in there before the pandemic. So I'm sure now, like, if she wears a mask and I wear a mask, it would probably be fine. But I'll still wait. <laughs> I'm going to wait <laughs> till I could, I could just keep getting it myself and then have her fix it. Because I'm sure it's a little wonky. <laughs> But anyway, to wrap up this thing about the ratios, of <laughs> is the that and wait? Is that a is that part of the science? Do, is there anything on like hairstyles and length in the science no. of attraction? Okay, because you know, no, well, I I, I only yes, say that I'm sure, but I didn't look into it. I just looked into the senses. I was gonna say no. just because the whole trope of guys always being like, well, like short hair and like pixie cuts are like, bleh. and it's always being like, well, that's medium to long nice hair is like the go-to when that's gotta do more with like social influence than like or but if you can grow long hair does that show that you have better cells (laughs) because you know if people have incredibly thin like feeble brittle not thick fine hair no offense to anyone does. That sounds awful. Um, but would that be like an evolutionary thing versus like probably? But I didn't look into it. <laughs> I bet you could look up. Um, but anyway, the reason that the ratio of 0.7 for women and the 0.8 to 1.0 for men is attractive is because where fat is deposited on the body is determined by sex hormones. Um, if a woman produces the proper amount and mixture of estrogen, then her waist-to-hips ratio will naturally fall into the shape of the desired range, and the same goes for the male's testosterone. Fupa. No. Why fupa. That's why women fupa? have a fupa, though. Oh, that yeah. I was like, area that's because... nothing to do with your waist. <laughs> That's well, that's just, I was talking about weight being distributed differently. If yeah, you're yeah. a cisgendered woman and you have like a I uterus, you'll so have confused. a fupa because yeah. typically Men's that's where fat will be covered fat. to cover your like uterus area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a point that I was going to say that you really <laughs> threw me off. This like a joke. And, and this and would I be like, after that. <laughs> just have me yell yeah. fupa later on. I had this set up. I was going to say, so in conclusion, okay, wait, wait, just, fair to say, I'll just cut that out. I'll just, we could just cut that out. We have to mention the I'm not going to we'll, do it. We'll it's back. too much editing. I'm going to leave it in exactly as it is, probably <laughs> including this part. Go back to your point. Uh, we never even mentioned my it. My joke was, so in conclusion, it is fair to say that hips, in fact, don't lie. <laughs> See, I'm glad we waited. <laughs> I wrote that joke in the outline. <laughs> I told you I just skimmed it. <laughs> See, but it was oh new God. to me. Like, it was new to everybody. And I enjoyed it. Well, that's fine. It just, you threw me off. I was getting ready to say my joke, and then you go, Fupa! And I go, why did you just say that? I'm just gonna keep going. So, we talked about shape and size. Um, let's talk about colors. So, I don't mean colors of people because sarah read this and thought i was a racist <laughs> i got 
I did a brief skim because this was Claire's taking the lead. She did all the research and I skimmed through and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then it like the notes on it were like something about the 70s, something about different like cultures. And I was like, Claire. And then it was like t- wearing this color. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. So this article is from 2011 and it's called Why We Prefer Certain Colors. And it is about like in like a tiger or like you know like makeup or outfits or yeah 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 um and it's got nothing to do with skin tone but they did compare uh what colors were popular in japanese culture and american uh colors but american also is a bunch of different races so there's that it's just different cultures more so and the reason is Color preferences are deeply rooted emotional responses that seem to lack any rational basis. Um, There's this whole study done in the 70s about people's color preference, and the conclusion is that the color preferences are derived from their preference for the objects that typically have these colors. So, like, if you hated the fruit oranges, you're just not going to like the color orange. Or if you, like, really like the ocean, you're probably going to like the color blue. So... It's just, like, that kind of thing. Um, and the, that study from the 70s asked if the color preference was hardwired by the by evolution, or was it learned? And they think it was learned and it had a heavy cultural influence because Japanese color preferences differentiated from Americans, like, pretty wildly. Do we know, like, how? Like, which colors out of each of them were ranked as, like, being preferred the most? Um, I didn't look into that. I clicked on the study, but it was, like, an actual journal, and I was like, I'm not gonna try to dig into this, because I... <laughs> what you gotta do for on. actual journal articles is read the intro and the discussion. <laughs> I know, but I was skimming the Psychology Today article, and I had so many things pulled up that was, like, a bunch of, like, more like pop science, and I was like, do I really want to read an actual scientific journal entry today? And the answer was, no. Sorry, you know I'm really professional. (laughs) I also, I was cracking up when you were introducing this portion of the podcast, because you said something, you were saying, you said like Japanese, and then you're like, in American colors, as if like we had a different (laughs) set. (laughs) They were like, yeah, we have red. And Japanese people are like, what the fuck is red? <laughs> that would make us shrimp who are more yeah, colors. Like, can you imagine we just see colors that other countries are like, we've oh, never wow. seen that color that in my life. so trippy if other countries had different colors. Yeah, like, I don't know. like land in France and you're like, what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> Your mind just explodes the second you land. No. <laughs> yeah, you head to Africa and like in and all the countries are different. All the countries. <laughs> that was the dumbest thing I've ever said. All the countries are always different. All the colors. Nope. <laughs> Claire, Claire makes a monumental statement. All the countries are different. <laughs> Could you, yeah, I, when I learned that fact about shrimp, I had to lay down because (laughs) it threw me for a loop that there was stuff out there that, like, I can't even conceptualize. Like, I'll, I'll never understand it because, like, there's, like, you'll never see it. They just see colors you can't. Like, there's just colors that exist for them that don't exist for you. And I was like, that's not fair. 
and I wish I could see him. <laughs> I don't want him. I already have I too don't, much. Hair. I don't want him. Keep your color, shrimp. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Shrimp's okay. like, my favorite color is blorf. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, cool for you. <laughs> I like blue. Cool for you. <laughs> Clears passive aggressiveness to shrimp. <laughs> I eat your people. <laughs> your people <laughs> next question <laughs> oh my god the, this is definitely off the rails it's fine okay so <sighs> the next article that i have on colors is um looking into so there's like a stereotype that men love the color red and mm-hmm. This is another live science article. <laughs> no one author is credited, though. It's just by the live science staff. They so, all got together that. on this one. <laughs> yeah, they were, like, all thinking. And the topic is, red on women, does it drive men wild? I like that this and is what they came together for. Like, <laughs> had it, Well, it takes both men and women to figure out. So they're just like, hey, can we just have a staff meeting here, please? Just, Cheryl, uh, get your ass in here. We need to discover so, um, I just have a little tiny excerpt from the article, and it says, In all the experiments, women shown framed by or wearing red were rated significantly more attractive and sexually desirable by men than the exact same women shown with other colors. This effect could be due to social conditioning, although they attribute it to deeper biological roots because non-human male primates, such as baboons and chimpanzees, I said baboons. Such as baboons and chimpanzees are known to be attracted to females displaying red. Um, And then it says the red effect only applied to males and the only to their perceptions of attractiveness. It did not change the ratings of the women pictured in terms of likability, intelligence, or kindness. So they're like, yeah, she's a bitch, but she's hot. Like, yeah, she does look very cold, and she has a scowl on her face in this picture, but damn, isn't she hot in that red dress? <laughs> but I get it. Or, like, the opposite. Be like, mm, she's got on a blue sweater. She looks super kind and smart, but mm, pass. I'd push her down the stairs. <laughs> well, that indicate the, they would show violence. <laughs> they just didn't want to have sex. It's either you want to fuck or you want to... You- <laughs> disrespect your surroundings are the two or fight. <laughs> that's the scale that they measured by oh, I hate that <laughs> anyway so that's all I have on colors is that basically it's kind of subjective and it's all cultural based except for potentially having that relation to red to you know primates I feel like that makes sense because if you're a very, like, if you're a very toned down culture or if you're not, like, if loud, bright, visible affection, like, super colorful things aren't a part of your culture and you're more a laid back or professional or just, like, calm area, (laughs) I would understand you not wanting, like, red, orange, like, bright blue or something being attractive mm-hmm. if you're attracted to more, like, earthy, neutral tones or, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that makes sense. 
Yeah. Because that goes very much with your your like nurture thing. You're very nurture arguing <laughs> on this, and I'm, I'm like, like nature the, the never nature heard side. of her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nature. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, this one is. This is. I wrote this like before Thanksgiving, and so I'm looking back at this now, and it's very funny the way I wrote this. Um, so this is from the Rules of Attraction article that I referenced before, and this is about smell. And I put in bold. So this is gross. <laughs> Stinky. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And so there's a quote from the article that says, Borrowing sweaty undershirts from a variety of men, Thornhill, the researcher, offered the shirts to the noses of women, asking for their impression of the scent. Hands down, the women found the scent of a symmetrical man to be more attractive and desirable, especially if the woman was menstruating. I hate that. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And I just, um, I don't, I don't think I smell very well, so I don't know if I, I feel like I'd be an outlier in that test. I've never I thought really I've had don't a... think you smell the shirt and then go, symmetrical. <laughs> like, I don't think that's how that works. Oh yeah, he's hot. <laughs> like... It's probably like the, I would have to assume, like the least reliable. Repulsive. That's not what I'm saying. The least repulsive. Like, not oh. being like, oh, this smells good. And be like, I guess this is tolerable. <laughs> like, this one doesn't make me want to gag. I think I'd like this guy. <laughs> and they're like, uh-huh, his eyes are even. I still, I also think this would be the less reliable way to test your attraction oh. to someone. If I had, yeah. like, vision versus smell, <laughs> I think I would choose vision. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I don't think, I think I too would just be like, this one smells the most neutral. <laughs> I want that guy. Yeah, I think that's what it's gotta be. So, and then I did a little research into pheromones. And, um, so humans do not have a vomeronasal organ, which is what other animals used to detect pheromones secreted by another animal of the same species. Instead, we use smells via the olfactory system, which is separate. So, like, I guess other well, animals we have like, two systems. We have one. it, but it's just like a vestigial organ, right? Like the appendix, where I think it's evolutionarily, yeah. like, it's still there, but, like, they don't do yeah. nothing. Yeah, we don't have a functioning one. It doesn't okay. work. You cannot smell a pheromone on a man. You just can't do it. It's not possible. <laughs> I'm going to try as I might. <laughs> You can sit here trying to smell a pheromone all day. Can't do it. So if anybody tries to sell you a perfume that's like, it's got pheromones, it's like, doesn't matter. Irrelevant. <laughs> Please say that to the salesperson. Irrelevant. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> um, but perceivable smells do play a role in attraction or lack of attraction. So like, if a man smells like cologne, that smells good. But if he smells like stinky cheese, that's bad. <laughs> are the two ends of the smell spectrum according to Claire. It's like a good smelling cologne and a stinky cheese. Uh, I mean, although some people like the smell of stinky cheese. Well then, it's all about preference, Phoebe. It's up to you. Yeah, I guess it's, like, that's not very much of a straight line. I don't know. I feel like there's just some smells that are just rank. Like, everyone has to hate them. Uh, dumpster juice. <laughs> Ew, I hate the description. But you know what I'm talking I about, do. and it makes you nauseous. Yeah. Dumpster okay. juice. Well, 
So there's a reoccurring hypothesis regarding body odor and sexual attraction, and that has to do with immune systems. So it influences people people's perception of somebody else being attractive is um, if their immune systems are compatible or not. And this is from The Guardian. It's an article called Gene Research Finds Opposites Do Attract by Ian Sample. Um, <laughs> I made a little note uh, again at the top of this that says, just to start out, this had a notification that the article was more than 11 years old, and it came out in 2009, and I had a small existential crisis, because in 2009, I was in the 8th and ninth grade, and I am old. That is the first note I have written on this. Yeah, no, I was in the second half of 2009, also, yeah. I was in ninth grade. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you were also in 8th and ninth grade, because we were in the same grade. <laughs> Oof, I'm old. <laughs> Sorry. But it gave me like a little pop up. It's like, hey, this is this is over a decade old. Just so you know, this is old research. And I was like, I don't care. And then I was like, two thousand nine. And I was like, two thousand nine was over a decade ago. Two thousand nine when I saw All Time Low in concert. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Oh my House of Blues, okay. baby. <laughs> Remember concerts? I miss them. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Back to immune system. <laughs> That's the theme of this year. Remember science? Science. <laughs> that is. I know that wasn't what you meant to say, but that is the theme of this year. <laughs> no, that's the theme of 2021. Remember science? Oh, God. I meant to say, remember concerts? Anyway, back to immune systems. That's 2020. That's also, <laughs> both of those statements, I was going to say exist, but are, <laughs> yes, are, they are the epitome of 2020, which is remember science? Like, let's listen to her. Um, and remember concerts? Now back to immune systems. Okay. Well, the scientists who led this study on immune systems, they believe that um, humans have evolved to sniff out partners who have different immune systems than they do, because then they will produce children with healthier immune systems. And here's a quote. It says, it may be tempting to think that humans choose their partners because of their similarities, um, says Maria de Graca, but... Talio. I didn't read this. Oh, well, I time. kept Can going. <laughs> it's B I C A L H uh, But she's a professor of immunology at the University of Paraná in Brazil, and she says that their research has shown clearly that it's the differences that make for successful reproduction, and the subconscious drive to have healthy children is important in choosing mates. Their team looked at a group of genes known as the major histocompatibility complex going forward known as the NHC and they noted how much the genes varied between 90 married couples and 152 fictitious couples that they just paired up at random by a computer and the it, she said that if the NHC genes did not influence the mate selection they would have seen similar results from both sets of the couples, the randomly paired ones and the actually married ones but they found that the real partners had a significantly higher rate of dissimilarities in NHC 
than they could have expected to find by chance. The MHC region is made up of a large number of genes on chromosome 6 and has been found in most vertebrates. It's uh, linked to immunity, and this group of genes is thought to play a role in fertility. So, the flip side of the study suggests humans have evolved to find people with similar immunity genes unappealing. This would have, um, this would affect the reduction of inbreeding, because that'll fuck up your kids. <laughs> We're not afraid to take a hard stance against inbreeding on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the things I'm willing to go down on record for. Um, I am not for inbreeding. I am actively against it. Go fuck with your kids. Same. Yeah, dissimilar genes. Plus, I just, I still, to this day, don't understand how you could grow up with someone recognizing them and being in your life as, like... We talked about this in a previous episode, and there is a name for the thing that keeps you from being attracted to people raised by your mother. And I don't remember what it's called. The disgust factor. <laughs> There's like a name. The Westermark effect. We talked about this in the Just Friends episode in season one. The Westermark effect is the same thing. It's reverse sexual imprinting where um, you are just like not into people raised by your mother. It just has the same effect as this. If it doesn't work by seeing them being raised by your mother if they smell like you you don't want them you smell like mama (laughs) (laughs) but like kinda yeah (laughs) you smell like my mother (sighs) but you want somebody with dissimilar immunity so your kids have both of your genes so they're immune to more things that makes sense like if if someone had IBS, you wouldn't purposefully seek out another person with IBS so your kid can't eat anything. They're like, yes, yes, we're going to give our child the worst gastrointestinal <laughs> yeah. system that exists. Let them have the fragilis colon. They will never eat a tomato. Like, <laughs> obviously, if you fell in love with another person with IBS, that's perfectly fine. But, like, I don't think you would purposefully, naturally seek out someone else with an incredibly fragile gastrointestinal system. Um, so Wingfingers can't see out of his left eye, and in my glasses, my left eye, the prescription is significantly higher than my right eye. Oh, and I'm no. like, oh my god, if we have kids, we're just, they're not gonna have left eyes. That's what I keep saying. <laughs> I'm just like, there's not gonna have them. It's gonna get to the point that they just, there's nothing, nothing coming out of there. Yeah, like, my prescription, my right eye is very, like, normal, but my left eye, I, like, need it. And he just can't see out of his left eye. It's just not hooked up right, so. I think if Plan Doctor and I had kids, then their eyesight should be okay. Because out of, like, all of my family, all of my immediate family needs glasses and wears glasses. But out of them, I have the weakest prescription. My prescription truly isn't too terrible. Um, And he has perfect eyesight. So (laughs) they'd be okay. I've always said that I need to find a man with a strong jaw, and I think uh, Wayne Fingers has, like, a very average jaw. Like, he's not, like, the Crimson Chin or anything. He's got a better (laughs) jaw than I do. He's not the Crimson Chin. I'd be fucking terrified if he was. (laughs) That'd be that long face. Talk about anti-symmetrical. Or, as they also refer to it, unsymmetrical. I'm not sure why that word (laughs) escaped me. They're against it. (laughs) Anti-symmetrical. Down with symmetry. (laughs) Boo! Anti-symmetrical! 
<sighs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, I also found in one of these articles that people are likely to be friends with people who have different immune systems in them because that way their group is protected from different, like, diseases. So, like, if I got the mumps and you were... <laughs> If you were immune to the mumps, you I wouldn't give it to you and you wouldn't pass it to our, our, our circle. Does that make any sense? Well, I was going to be a smart ass and be like, I'd be impressed if you could pass it to me, considering we're 10 hours apart. But I know what I'm you mean. I'm sneeze on something and mail it to you overnight shipping. I hope you get the mumps is the only letter that's in there. <laughs> No, I understand. I understand what you mean. Like people in your immediate friend circle that you interact with physically yes. or in person yes. on a day to day basis, it makes sense if you're not susceptible to the same stuff. So you well, don't just like you know, one person gets something and you kill off your entire friend group. Humans didn't evolve to be friends over the computer. They intended to see each other in person, hence the immunity thing. <laughs> one day I aspire to see people again. How cool would it be to hang out with friends? <laughs> so cool. Okay. Anyway, so next up I have sounds. I've done this kind of like by um, taste, smell, but I didn't ever do anything on taste. <laughs> what a terrible, what a terrible way to start that off then. <laughs> I tried to get this by the five senses. Taste, but not taste. Um... <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to do it. I was trying to do it, but yeah, I did like sight and then sound and mm-hmm. smell and this part is sound. And I didn't do it on taste. You're right. I'm sorry. I couldn't find anything on taste. <laughs> Just the way you started it. <laughs> okay. Oh okay. You can tell that tonight was going to be off because I'm in my bed. I'm usually recording at my desk. I'm not. I'm in my bed. I'm on my period. <laughs> do you want me to keep that in this or... <laughs> I was just explaining to you why I so might. No, I'll cut that out. <laughs> you can you can do whatever you want with it. It's up. It's truly up to your discretion what gets left in the podcast. Well, here's the problem: we're past the one hour mark, so this is when I start getting lazy and stuff just stays. Oh no! I got to be very selective with my words and thoughts. You're fine. I'm gonna have to edit this in a couple seconds. Anyway sounds. So I looked into what voices people found more attractive, and I this was really interesting to me. And I found a couple articles, but I really only liked one. So this is from The Cut, and it's literally titled, Is My Voice Attractive? And I'm just going to read, like, three paragraphs from it, and then you can come back. So... For men, an attractive voice is fairly straightforward. A lower one is good as it indicates size, strength, and reproductive powers. Or doesn't. While hints of breathiness also seem to be preferable. But, for women, it seems to be more complicated. Higher voices signal reproductive fitness and femininity and smaller body size, and while it stands to reason that women would try to accentuate these qualities by speaking in correspondingly high voices, and studies confirm this. Other studies find that women tend to speak in lower voices around men that they're trying to attract. In 2010, researchers published in the Journey of Non in the Journal of Nonverbal Behavior 
They puzzled over this paradox after the study found that women went against the high voice hypothesis and lowered their voices around them they liked. This is speculated to be because speaking in a lower voice might lead to... I skipped one. They speculated that speaking in a lower voice might be a learned thing based on stereotypes. There appears to be a common stereotype in our culture that deems a sexy female voice is one that sounds husky, breathy, and lower-pitched. And voice manipulation may be a learned behavior based on sexual voice stereotypes rather than actual vocal characteristics and attractiveness. Also, perhaps a woman naturally lowers her voice and may perceive as her attempt to sound more seductive or attractive and therefore signal her romantic interest. Um, the motivation to display a sexy, seductive female voice make a butch the motivation to sound more feminine and or reproductively fit. Thoughts? I think it's funny. <clears throat> oh gosh, of course my voice like cracks <laughs> when I first try to comment on it. Um, I think it's funny that you like mentioned this because both Plant Doctor and I have said to each other on multiple occasions that we both hate our own voices <laughs> and then we both reassure the other person that their voice is fine. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Yeah, no, I've always been self-conscious of my own voice because I think it's not characteristically, like, feminine or, like, female-sounding. I think it sounds neutral, if not manly. <laughs> and You definitely don't sound manly. I feel and like I probably, sound like a did. <laughs> probably an alto, but that doesn't mean anything. Most adults are actually women. Most adults are <laughs> I would love it if just all adults were. <laughs> what's a bass? What's a tenor? We only have altos. <laughs> we're all singing the harmony. <laughs> um, <laughs> no melody. Um, we children. But yeah, I think, I also think it's interesting that in mentioned, um, like a higher, like feminine voice as being, apparently being like a signal of I don't know what did say like fertility or reproductiveness or like good quality or whatever for women but then all women are like no we're gonna talk low and sexy <laughs> to show that we're actually interested well I was gonna bring this up in a minute but it says men actually do prefer the lower voices so I don't even it, it just cracks me up that it even I guess it confused me that it even mentioned the high voice thing because if women talk in it to signal that and so, men prefer it it is higher pitched voices are found to like if you listen to them you're going to perceive that person as more feminine um more physically small and um more reproductively fit none of those are necessarily the same as preferring it does that make sense? That does make sense. And I guess that's always why there's, like, the whole gag on, like, shows when an incredibly small person, like, the whole joke is if an incredibly small person has a super deep voice, you're not expecting it. Yeah. So, my thought as to why men prefer lower voices is because it's a little bit more intimate, whereas your customer service voice is a little bit higher pitched. Like, if I answer the phone at work, I'm like, thank you for calling Gokua. This is Claire. How can I help you? And I'm talking up here in this register. When I'm talking to you, I'm like, yeah, of course, let me help you with that. And it's like, uh, 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 it's up here. And then when I'm talking to you or somebody that, like, I'm used to, it's down here. It's sitting in a different place. And this is, like, more casual, more intimate. And I'm not going to, like, be like, hi, 
hi, yes, oh my god, I would love if you bought me a drink. Yeah, do you want to go home? Like, that's, like, not, like... Oh, yeah, no. I, I for sure do the exact same thing. Like, my customer service voice is definitely higher. I feel like I come across as... I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but, but if I would, if I were to talk in this tone with someone at my, like my old job at this job, it doesn't matter so much, but at my old job, when I was just talking to the general public and like patients and stuff, Mm -hmm. if I were to be like, okay, so we're going to discharge you today, um, blah, blah, blah. I feel like it would come off a way too, like (laughs) casual. Yeah. And so I'm always like, hello, like Mr. Stevenson, like this is what we prescribe for you today. And this is what you blah, 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 blah. And yeah, no, I feel the exact same way. <laughs> yeah, so that's my thought as to why that is. Um, but also, like, the husky voice is, like, a gravelly voice. It's, like, kind of attractive. But also, if Tori and I, my roommate, we would do, I don't know why this started, but we started doing this, like, sexy, like, breathy voice. Wait, we talked like this. All the time. And it drove people crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we would just go, we would just talk like this for a really long time and piss off our friends. <laughs> I, um, complete opposite of that. I would do the voice. <laughs> I would do the I mean, voice. We, we also talk like this a little bit. And I don't know what accent this is. It was kind of a natural Libre thing, but we would talk like this. A lot too. Um, I love to do the voice from the Akon song, the I'm <laughs> Mr. Lonely, when he's like, I'm so lonely. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm very impressed. I would do that more than the occasion would call for it. <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. I love it. Yeah. Um, that's what I would do. That would annoy my friends. If you would talk in that voice, I'd be like, hi, Claire. It sounds like Spongebob a little bit. Yeah! Yeah! I can't even do that. Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. Okay. So, the last thing I have on this is about personality, which is the part you've been talking about the whole time. (laughs) Society, culture, personality, yes, all important. Okay. So, there's this one article from The Carousel that I thought was going to have more... Uh, quality content, but it did not. But I did take one <laughs> sentence. <laughs> it because the it says personality traits that make you instantly more attractive, and it's literally just this one sentence. It's like a positive attitude, a balanced extroversion, and confidence have been revealed as the most attractive qualities in both sexes. I feel like that's like, probably said time and time and time, time and time again that confidence is attractive in regardless of gender. Yeah, and I was like, okay. And then I went to this mental floss article that had a list of the top eight things. And I was like, this is what I want. A list! And (laughs) the first thing is a sense of humor. The second thing is the sound of your voice. The third thing is owning a pet. (laughs) It's not even part of you. (laughs) Get ready. Most of these are. The next one is having a beard, <laughs> which I mean, you and I it's can't per- achieve. It's personality so I trait. Is, I guess this is for men. I don't know. And then socializing in groups, like being able to, like having friends. Six is being nice. 
at sixth on the list. I love like, that I like having that a beard a is yeah. higher than being nice. I mean, <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> I hate it, but that's been proven true. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Kill me. Okay. <laughs> Seven, financial responsibility. And eight is having a good credit score, which I think is very similar to I think you can lump seven and eight together because if you're financially responsible um, more often than not you will most likely have a good credit score when I went on that date the sushi date last July yes I don't know yeah whenever that was he pulls out his phone at dinner to show me his credit score did you mention this before I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I feel like I've had to have told you. Because that's fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, but he had a beard, so... You overlooked it. Yeah. (laughs) That was higher up on this list than having a good purpose. That was such a weird time. I... That also... Anyway, he had a good credit score, which is number eight. So he would argue for that to be separate, I think. He would be like, I want that point also. Okay. And then the last thing I wrote on the top line is, to wrap it up, I don't know. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I answered the question. I just love that list, that owning a pet and having a beard are higher than being nice. Okay. But those are the things that I found. I didn't look into hair, and I'm sorry. (laughs) How could you? (laughs) If you could only see Claire's face where she just sat looking at me, unmoving. (laughs) Most, like, straight, like, shut the fuck up (laughs) expression (laughs) I've ever seen in my life. In reality, my eyes were not focused. (laughs) Claire was just starting to dissociate there. (laughs) It's fine. Okay. Um, Do you have any final thoughts on this article? Or on all of these articles? On this research? Final thoughts. Um, Yes. I do believe there is some biological evolutionary thing that does, like, substantiate some things being preferred but i also think a lot of what we view as attractive or beautiful is heavily influenced by societal standards which are heavily influenced by white supremacy (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um it's bad so i think a lot of it is having to unlearn eurocentric beauty standards and also accept people's personalities and have that factor in um <laughs> are you gonna hyperventilate <laughs> yeah um that sounded like i was enthusiastically enthusiastically answering that i was gonna hyperventilate. yeah i'm gonna hyperventilate <laughs> but in reality i just meant like yeah i'm done um yeah so that, that's what that's all i have to say is beauty is subjective i'm sure we can yep. try and put mathematical formulas and labels on certain things because of biology but i think ultimately it's subjective I think that's true. I... Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, I was running back up to the top. Yeah. <laughs> I was running back up to the top of my um my outline to look at my article about the application of the golden ratio to faces. I think that mask is scary. <laughs> and we'll post the beauty mask on our Instagram. And y'all can let us know if you think it's scary or not. I think you I, were favorite- dead on when you called it Handsome Squidward. I think that's <laughs> I think that's what they based Handsome Squidward on. It, probably. It looks like Handsome Squidward. Okay. Should we name this episode Handsome Squidward? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening to this train wreck we call <laughs> a podcast. I am so grateful that you take your time and spend it this way yeah thanks for listening to us especially on days when we're not seemingly as well put together and we're a little more chaotic than normal Um, i think it's kind of fun to have a little chaos sometimes it's add a little spice (laughs) okay so if you have any topic suggestions please send them to us if you want to be on the podcast, please send it to us. If you have any questions, please send them to us. And you can do that on Instagram at two girls one brain pod, two and one spelled out, or on Twitter at two girls one brain pod with the two and the one being number digits. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I sensed your pause, and I was waiting to see how it would turn out, and I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> But did my meaning get conveyed there? Number digits, yes, they are. <laughs> okay. You can also send us an email at two girls one brain pod at gmail.com, and that's all spelled out. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk at you next week. Bye.